0: The first thing that comes to mind when I think about payments and especially in service-based businesses as opposed to product-based businesses is that it's relational. And so the way that I think about it and sort of structure how we do that at Wanderwell is that the pricing and the payments and like how those mechanisms all work need to ultimately support the type of relationship that we're trying to cultivate.
1: Getting paid by clients is the number one most important part of the workflow in a service business. If you don't get paid, eventually you won't have a business. But how you go about getting paid, now that's where some magic can really happen. I'm Susan Bowles and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. In our last episode with Dana Kay, We talked about transitioning from hourly to value-based pricing. The choice to make that switch to value-based pricing then allows you to take the next logical step, making your client payments easier. Today, that's what we're talking about. How to get paid by your clients. Should you accept credit cards? How about checks? Do you charge your clients the credit card processing fee? What about payment plans? Should you offer them? How you decide to answer these questions can affect not just your workflow, but your cash flow too. And as my guest today points out, ultimately your relationship with your client. Kate Strathman is the founder of Wanderwell Consulting, a business consulting and bookkeeping practice. And for Kate, taking payments is an opportunity to reinforce a positive, transparent relationship with her clients. It's a client touch point that she's particularly thoughtful about. We'll talk about the basics, what kind of payments to accept and when to ask for payments, but also think about offering payment plans in a whole new way. Hi, Kate. Thanks for being here today.
0: Hi, Susan. Happy to talk.
1: So let's start with kind of talk to me a little bit about how you approach getting paid from your clients or just your general philosophy on payments, how you train your clients. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you feel about payments <laughs> and getting paid.
0: Yeah. Um, so I, I think that the, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about payments, and especially in service-based businesses as opposed to product-based businesses, is that it's relational. Um, and so the way that I think about it and sort of structure how we do that at Wanderwell is that the pricing and the payments and like how those mechanisms all work need to ultimately support the type of relationship that we're trying to cultivate. Ooh, I like that. Um, And that kind of cuts both ways, right? (laughs) So like we're in a relationship with a client. um, So it's not just about what they want or need because they're not looking at the full context that maybe I am of like what it takes to deliver the service, how I need to take care of the team, how I need to take care of Wanderwell, myself as the owner, like all of those kinds of things. But ultimately... It's, you know, the way that we do it, and of course I'll unpack this (laughs) um, (laughs) in this conversation is really about supporting relationship and kind of thinking more about like, well, what do, what are we try, what kind of like, are we one and done? Are we just like delivering widgets or are we in a long-term process with each other? And like, how, how much do we depend on each other to get work done or like move forward? I think it's an important part about it but the, but the main point is like i really think about it as a relational uh mechanism so it's it's the the how supports the like the why and the what we're trying to do and how we're uh being together
1: no i love that so let's dig into that a little bit more how does that kind of how do you work that into the actual systems how do you use um, the framework of the relationship you have with a client into how you actually approach invoicing them?
0: Yeah. So we have, I say we have kind of like, we have two departments in the two main departments in the business. Uh, one is bookkeeping services, and then the other is strategic consulting. Most of those things, the pricing and like how we structure things works the same. Um, like, same philosophy, same sort of uh payment systems and stuff like that there's a few exceptions but uh i'll kind of put those aside but (laughs) for the most part uh all of our payments are upfront and automated
1: okay awesome that's what i like to hear
0: (laughs) yeah and you know we started doing that really early on um and and part of that was uh, uh i had a business partner that exited the company a few years ago And uh, while they had a great many talents, administration was not one of them. And (laughs) so I would say we went, we moved from like a no pay system (laughs) to (laughs) a prepaid system (laughs) in that, like there was a moment in time, and this is a long time ago now where it was like, oh wait, we haven't sent invoices in like a couple of months. What's going on? Um, So, you know, that was a point where I stepped back I was like, what do we actually we're we're, especially in the bookkeeping side of the business which is all long-term relationships uh you know there are deliverables in that a month needs to be closed we send reports stuff like that but they're entirely dependent on the client being able to give us information in a timely way and i think more importantly like financial systems are a process so there's always stuff that's going to be happening and evolving in that space. And so at that point, uh, I think the primary motivation was, I don't want to do any admin about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I really don't want to chase another goddamn invoice for like my entire business career. <laughs> Same. If we don't have to.
1: <laughs> that's my least favorite part.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's stressful for everybody. You know, like, I as a someone that also uses other people's services, I rather automate things and know when they're gonna hit ha- rather than having to remember to go and follow up and like do a bunch of things. So, you know, that's a lot of the I think the logistical rationale is let's make this really easy. So, you know, at that point, I think at the beginning, we just started using PayPal subscriptions. And that was because it was really easy. A lot of the more sophisticated platforms didn't exist at that point. Yeah. Um I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. I think PayPal's <laughs> terrible. But uh but it's, you know, that was like an extreme choice done, at the it time. Gets the job done,
1: you know, you only have so many choices at that point in time.
0: Yeah. Um so we later we switched to Moonclerk uh later, which is uh pretty sophisticated in kind of all of the choices you can make for people. Um, but, but what we did is, so we have a flat fee retainer pricing model for bookkeeping and then like ongoing sort of advisement services. And that's just based on size and complexity of business and kind of like, what are we doing? Um, but it's all built up front and automated. So like Moon Clerk sends the invoices, sends the receipts, all of that stuff, and except for like needing to set it up and send people links to sign up at the beginning or anything like that, there's very little admin involved, uh, which is great.
1: And any pushback from clients or potential clients when you approach the fact that you know it gets paid up front, or is everybody pretty okay with that? That's just the way that they work with you, and that's okay.
0: Yeah, I think people are pretty okay with that for the most part. It's something I find, you know. In some of our clients, like some of the folks that I work with, particularly in the consulting side, I think there can be a fear that people are going to say no or that you will get a lot of pushback. But my Mm -hmm. experience is that if you tell people really clearly what you do, they're usually fine with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't had any pushback either. Or the ones that I did get pushback on were ultimately not yeah, exactly. a good fit to and, work like, with. Yeah, exactly. you don't anyway.
0: need to add Venmo just because one person requested it <laughs> or something like that. Yes. Um, absolutely. I think the only pushback we've got, and this is really more about people understanding what we do Is that again, like book, especially in the bookkeeping side? uh, That's an ongoing relationship and process. Some months there's more work, some months there's less work. Uh, Some months, if we're waiting on a bunch of stuff from a client, which does happen, uh, there could be no work. And but we're still holding that space, like in our own internal capacity and in payroll and stuff like that. So a lot of it, you know. There are hourly models for billing that, but they don't really work in terms of like the kind of agency model that we have and really being able to support the team and the business fully. No, that makes sense. So I think there's some pushback where like every once in a while, and it's usually the folks that struggle to keep up with finances in general are the ones where this comes up with uh, because you know, in an ideal world, we as owners would never have to touch that stuff, or at least some people, (laughs) I think, wish that. (laughs) And it's just, that's, it's not possible. So I think the main pushback, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the model so much as like, our ongoing challenge of like, how do we pull stuff out of business owners brains, uh, when they'd rather not deal with it?
1: (laughs) Yes, I can relate to that. So as you were kind of transitioning from that, maybe no pay or post pay kind of model. What did that look like for you and how did that how did that transition work? Did you just let your let your existing clients know that you're going to this retainer model? or did you um, have to, you know push to let them know that you were going to upfront type of payments? How did that look for you?
0: I think you know, and I could probably speak more clearly to like changing from PayPal to Moonclerk, Uh, But Mm. I think the process, if I remember, the process is sort of similar. We had the advantage for all of our like ongoing retainer clients of for most people having IRS deadlines as leverage. Mm. So uh, like the hardest thing, I think, in terms of making those transitions is like you need to get people to do, do a thing. And, you know, in PayPal, we were trying to get people to do a thing on a schedule because whatever day people sign up for a PayPal subscription that sets the automated date. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got dates all over the place, um, for a long <laughs> time, which kind of is what it is, but you know, that was one of the things with switching to something like moon Clerk, where we can actually control the date, the payments run and line it up with like beginning of the month of service and stuff like that. Um, but the thing that we did for like switching from PayPal to moon Clerk is, uh, For folks where we file 1099s for them and do all of that legwork we just had them sign up for the filing fees and then switched it at that point so there was like a real incentive Mm. of like you're gonna have owe oh, the IRS a bunch more money unless you do this on time. <laughs> Which sounds really coercive, but I think it actually just gave people a hard deadline to make it easier.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like creating that urgency. Yeah,
0: yeah. And it was a real one. Like it wasn't something we were manufacturing. It just gave a like natural, hey, we need you to do this anyway. So do it with this new platform and here's a new link. So that made it a lot easier in terms of getting folks switched over and having a real moment in time to do it. And then we had a couple of stragglers that we don't file for, and it took a while, but you know, that, is, that <laughs> kind of is what it happen. is.
1: <laughs> so any strong opinions on payment methods? I know that some folks have a real aversion to credit cards because of the fees versus bank transfers versus checks. Do you have any um, any strong opinions on how to accept payment?
0: Yeah, um, I think I have a couple opinions about that. I think the biggest one... In, I, I have a feeling you might agree with this from your operational perspective. <laughs> like,
1: I can very much rant on this. Yeah,
0: is I see a lot of folks overly complicating things to save on fees. Yep. And forgetting that there's an admin cost to that.
1: There absolutely And so,
0: bank. like...
1: Well, and just a delay. Yeah. Right? I mean, bank transfers take forever.
0: They do. Um, but, I, you know, I, I see people, like, having, like, four different invoicing systems, because they're trying to like fee Jackie Mm -hmm. and rather than just saying well this is a cost of business and our financial industry is coercive and extractive uh, but there's really little we can do about that right now and (laughs) saying like we're just going to eat the 3.5 percent and that's a cost of business and factoring it into your pricing
1: there can be a real cost associated with choosing not to accept credit cards Intuit estimates that every single business that doesn't accept credit cards misses out on about $7,000 in sales annually. So think about your own purchases. How annoyed are you when someone makes you fill out an ACH transfer form instead of just taking your freaking card? Or when you're trying to buy coffee and you find out that the business only takes cash or heaven forbid, checks. Credit cards make our transactional life easier and the goal should always be to eliminate friction in the payment process. Accepting credit cards doesn't have to be complicated or hard either. Businesses who simply connect their invoicing system, like QuickBooks or Zero, to a payment service like Stripe or PayPal get paid about 20 days faster on average. The other one that drives me nuts is charging clients that yeah fee
0: that's a bad idea i'm just gonna that's, say that's a I, bad idea I,
1: <laughs> as as a client every time i see that fee it just makes my skin crawl and it just there's just that little bit of anger i think yeah. from the from the client perspective because i i do think it really is a cost of doing business and yep. one that you should be building into your prices yep. Yep. Um, you know it's a predictable cost that the ability to take credit cards just smooths yep. the whole process out it eliminates the friction yep. um and allows you to set up those automated payments yeah.
0: i will say there's certain um like even though i just said that um <laughs> there's always exceptions. yeah well there's certain things that um and this is really about me being like i do not want to give more money to those people than i have to uh let's like keep this amongst this relationship, um, is that for some of our larger consulting projects and stuff like that, we will ask for ACH transfers. And that's because like at a scale, the fees on those kinds of things make me it's angry. Astronomical,
1: <laughs> Yes. Um, and I do the same thing actually.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that's fine. It's just that like, I wouldn't base the whole business structure on that.
1: No. And I think there's a, there are systems you can use that allow Mm -hmm. you to give people the option of bank transfers or of credit cards Um, and i think it does make sense in some places though i've occasionally had people send me like paper checks and it's one of those where you're like i don't
0: what do i do with this like what do i do is this
1: this feels like fake money can you just put this in my account please um and i think there as as you mentioned earlier there's a real administrative cost to accepting physical checks they have to mail them to you you have to find them you have to put them in the bank and even if you have to even if you have an app or you can just scan it into your account that's still in a a separate step that has to be planned for and a delay in your cash flow
0: well and and from a bookkeeping perspective it really it really complicates your books as well and there's a cost to that and uh like the folks that we have that do a lot of check writing and you know those kinds of things hmm like your bookkeeper will need to get that information from you some way or another versus yep. like going in and being able to pull a stripe report you know so there's there's other stuff like that that i think it piles up over time in terms of just systems lag and like admin costs
1: yeah and i really think the really the whole point of getting paid up front with whatever your system you're using is to eliminate friction is to make it as easy as possible for your client to pay you and not put an additional burden on them or on you. You know, they don't wanna remember to have to pay your invoice. Yeah,
0: Yeah. well, and I think, you know, back to like it's supporting the relationship, like in our case, a lot of the upfront payment, um, I mean, it's, it's very practical and logistical as we've been talking about, but it's also represents the fact that like we're not working on deliverable Or, like, we're guaranteeing that this exact things are going to get done on an exact timeline because that's not how it works. So, it's really saying, like, you, the client, are paying us to be in this relationship and engage in this process with you that will lead to a certain set of outcomes. Um, But it's relational. It's not like, you know, we're not mailing you clothing or something like that. Like, it's not. So it's just a different kind of um, relationship and, you know, set of transformations that are happening uh, that are less tied to like really concrete deliverables on a schedule.
1: When I also think it's, it does from a relationship perspective, you know, from the client's view, knowing how much it's going to cost and when that's going to hit matters. Yep. It yep. matters for their business and for how well they can administrate their yep. own processes, yep. not just about how it works for you yeah. and your business. And I think I, I really like the relational tie into, you know, there's a bit of expectation settings and the, you know, what's included in the service and um, being able to be really clear and upfront about that, I yeah. think can only improve your relationship with well, your And
0: clients. we, because of the, what we do, it's a very transparent relationship in that, you know, we are reconciling the charge for our services. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, there's no C, like we can see when their services are changing or their business is changing or like more complexity is getting layered in. So that stuff's all transparent in the relationship. So like we do like once a year, we try and do an audit to just see if the service needs to be changed or tweaked or you know, did you, we've had clients that like sell part of their business. And so we uh, pull back on kind of what we're doing for them or folks, uh, you know, often, more often it's that folks are growing or the business gets more complex. Um, and then, you know, we need to shift what we're doing for them and how we're charging for it. But the kind of nice thing is like, that's all really transparent. <laughs> um
1: Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to keep stuff about your business from your financials. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So talk to me a little bit about on your side, how has being able to charge up front and automatically impacted your operational capacity, your administration of your business? How has it allowed you to, you know, keep your admin team small or what, what does that look like? What does that impact look like? Yeah. For you?
0: Um, well, it definitely keeps the admin small in that there's not much that like the, the billing all happens in the background with fairly minimal work. So, but I think the biggest thing is especially with having a upfront recurring revenue model is it really helps with supporting the business and the team financially and being able to plan ahead capacity wise. So like I know what our kind of base monthly recurring revenue is, and it's happening up front. So that just really helps with cash flow planning and being able to have a like really clear financial picture uh, internally on our side which makes me feel better. You're not
1: wondering when when something's going to get paid or if it's going to get paid or how long you're going to have to chase somebody.
0: And so that takes a lot of stress off my shoulders. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because I find, you know, and I I think this is worth considering too, is like for me personally in this business, uh, I know that I can do better work, be more of a visionary have space for creating and writing and like a lot of the thought work that I do and just guiding the business in general, because I feel less stressed out about chasing money. Mm-hmm. I think some people have more of a tolerance for being able to roll with it or like, oh, I got to make, you know, make up revenue this month or something like that. Uh, I don't like that pressure.
1: No, that makes me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> just you saying that makes me nervous. No,
0: but some, <laughs> some people, I know some people that are more okay with it, but I'm not one of them. So... Like, I, I, I've worked with folks and I have colleagues that they don't want to be in long-term relationships. They'd rather have more starts and stops in terms of their services and have it be much mm-hmm. more concrete. More project-based. Yeah. And we do a lot of – that's a lot of how we work on the consulting side, for sure. But I feel better about that because there's – like, I know everything else is covered.
1: No, that makes sense.
0: So it's structured in a way also to just support my – like myself as the owner leader and then the, what the whole business needs and how we function best. And so, you know, I, th- I think that's something I also see with folks that we work with is that especially in the beginning, they might over-consider what the client needs in terms of how they want to pay and think about mm-hmm. it and not so much like how is this going to support the business operations and my feelings day-to-day experience.
1: Well, I think payments is you know, how you how you get paid is something that's so fundamental to your business, but and how it feels and how it operates and really how much administration you have to put in day to day. And I think we really drastically underestimate the overall impact on what your business feels like from that decision. Yes.
0: So I'm an advocate for keeping it easy. (laughs) (laughs) take the friction out of that system as much as possible.
1: I mean, I I like taking the friction out of all systems (laughs) as much as possible, but I think this is just one area where a lot of people make decisions by default about, you know, how it's supposed to go or how it, you know, how the industry expects you to invoice them, how your clients expect, expect that process to happen. And I think we sometimes tend to just let it roll the way that they expect it versus making a proactive decision. Like you said about how it's going to make your business run and how whether or not you're going to even enjoy running your business, you know, if your business is all day, every day, you got to send invoices and worry about whether or not they're going to pay you, you know, that's a huge amount of stress for founders, especially when you know, we're all making decisions all day, every day, we have enough stress as it is, we don't need to add to it. (laughs) I wonder if we're going to get paid.
0: Well, I think it's it's also like I know from all of the finance work we do that you know, money's one of the places in business where there's often the least amount of knowledge because they don't, nobody teaches this stuff anywhere. Nope. <laughs> and it's where a lot of, most of the emotional kind of baggage stories and junk uh, yeah. sits. So everybody's got money issues. Absolutely. And so, you know, the other thing I always think about is like, how can you set up systems around pricing around payments that kind of take it out of the trigger realm. Mm-hmm. Like like if you know that you have a thing where you're afraid to ask people to pay you. And so like you're not sending invoices and stuff like that. And lots of people do this. That's
1: that's true. That's that's a thing.
0: Like some of that is like these tools like automating and upfront, uh, like take that choice away from you. <laughs> like you're it does. you can't you can't get in the way. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like that. I like that twist on it because I think that's so true that, you know, everybody has major issues around money, around their pricing, around um, really proposals, the sale process and something like upfront pricing on a specific package of services at a specific price. It's just the thing. And it takes you as the provider kind of emotionally out of it and allows you to just say, here's the thing here much. Here's how much it costs. Here's how you pay me. If you don't like that, that's fine, but this is how I work. Yeah. Um, awesome. So before we wrap up, is there anything you think we should talk about that we haven't?
0: Mm. Well, I always like to talk about the, the sort of uh, industry things, especially in sort of online service businesses that I'd love to see people stop
1: doing. Oh, <laughs> yes. Talk to me about that.
0: I think the first one is behavioral pricing. Mm. So like I am fully committed to never have anything that costs like $197. <laughs> I think that's really coercive and toxic. And, you know, so I'm I'm a fan of flat, like, full number. Don't You don't need to, tr- you know, call it $200, not $199, just because you think that'll somehow tip someone into paying it. Like, yep. let's stop doing that. I like um, that. And then the other one... Uh, and this might be more controversial uh is to and I've stopped doing this entirely is charging more for payment plans mm. um most people still do this, so they'll have like uh upfront like pay in full and then a payment plan, and the payment plan costs more, yep, you know especially with bigger ticket you know service based stuff that we're talking about mostly here. It just incentivizes people that don't need the incentive, mm-hmm. while penalizing people that do.
1: No, that's I. That's an interesting perspective.
0: And I, you know, I think I think a lot of owners tell themselves that it like it costs them more to do the payment plan, but I actually don't think that's true. Uh, like if you have your system set up well and you're you're automating it anyway, which most people are, then there's actually no more admin on the payment plan.
1: No, as long as people don't you yeah know, disappear so, with their credit card. <laughs>
0: So that's when I stopped doing that last year, because I realized it was just hurting people that needed more flexibility in how they pay. And so that's that's one of my sort of redistribution mechanisms that I'd love for people to consider stop doing.
1: <laughs> so how do you approach that now? What's your alternative?
0: Uh, just offer both and people do whatever they need. You know, there are businesses that have cash on hand to do that. I would say anecdotally, in this, you know, uh, we do a lot of work in the cooperative and solidarity economy. Mm -hmm. And I do a lot of work work with just looking at how our um, systems, social, cultural, economic, who has power within those and who doesn't historically. Mm -hmm. And I'll say anecdotally, like the people that pay up front tend to have white privilege, they tend to have male privilege. You know, they have accumulated wealth often that tracks with privilege versus like a lot of folks that need extra space and just help have structural stuff working against them. And so I think it's just a way to level the playing field and like redistribute, you know, how we're supporting all sorts of different kinds of people in having successful businesses. So that's something that I'm committed to, um, And, and particularly, you know, with, I think a lot of the work we're doing in the cooperative community, which is about um, creating mechanisms for ownership for folks that don't traditionally have access to it. Like, I don't want to penalize people because they don't have a ton of cash up front.
1: No, absolutely. I think that's interesting. And you're right. Most people aren't talking about it or thinking about it in that way. And I, I think that's an interesting perspective and definitely one that folks should be considering.
0: Yeah. So we just, so we have like, people can pay the whole thing up front, but it doesn't cost more to do a payment plan. Um, It's just an option.
1: <laughs> do you feel the same way about the inverse of that? So if you pay up front, there's no discounts. It's just, you can either pay up front or you can pay in payment plan, no difference whatsoever.
0: Say that, wait, say that again.
1: <laughs> so um, there's kind of the the inverse of that. So there's the, here's how much it is if you pay up front and there's a, basically a markup if you choose a payment plan. And then there's the alternative of if you pay upfront, you get a discount um, versus a payment plan that would be like essentially the same price. You know, kind of, it's the flip, the flip perspective.
0: I think that's actually the same thing.
1: I mean, it is (laughs) different. It's different marketing. Yeah, Um,
0: but I I don't know if that's actually genuine. I guess it's like my question is that, is it really a discount? Because, you know, service service pricing is flexible, malleable. It's, you know, it's a different set of considerations. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure that that's actually any different than, I think most people call it a discount. But I think it's doing the same thing in it, terms it of the It is doing the same
1: thing. It's a different, you know, just a different way to go about doing yeah. it. No, I think that's that's an interesting path down that I hadn't really considered before cool so if our listeners want to find you and connect or learn more about what you do how can they do that
0: yeah so our website is wanderwellconsulting.com we have a newsletter that uh is on a erratic schedule intentionally (laughs) um but uh is a space where i primarily write about thoughts on leadership and alternative business models and a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, So that's there. And then we're at underscore Wanderwell underscore on Instagram. And that's, those are the two places.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here.
0: Thank you, Susan. This is fun.
1: Taking payments from clients is often something that we just don't think about. It's one of the areas of our business where I think we fall most prey to default decisions. We don't consciously think about payments as a true client touch point or as an opportunity to save everyone some time and headache by really thinking about reducing the friction and making payments easier and less emotional for you and your clients. Taking payment upfront or automatically can eliminate the workflow of having to invoice and then wait for payment and then worry about when that payment's going to hit. Making the switch to charge upfront or automatically can change getting paid from a huge time consuming effort to feeling like you've got money fairy showing up and depositing money in your bank account. So if you're digging our discussions on pricing and payments this month, make sure you don't miss next week's episode. We're going to talk about some software tools that can help you automate this workflow, onboarding clients and making sure you get paid. So make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Now, you might be pragmatic and level-headed about every other aspect of your business and still feel a panic when it comes to money stuff. Setting a price, collecting invoices, following up on overdue payments. Money can make even the most sensible founders feel off-kilter. This month, we're talking about pricing and payments and demystifying some of the reasons that service businesses stall out because of money stuff. The way I look at it, the money stuff is just another way of looking at your systems. It's an opportunity to make choices that sets your business up for growth. So instead of worrying about clients who don't pay on time or who haggle for a better deal, you can rest easy knowing your money stuff is handled through smart decision making and reliable automation. And when your money stuff is handled, you can focus on running and growing the rest of the business. Money stuff is the first thing I look at when I'm your growth advisor. I'll work with you to examine your profit centers, to find processes that drive revenue, and create automations that fuel your cash flow. We'll figure out where money is falling through the cracks and make it easier to get paid well for the value you're creating. I'd love to talk with you about your money stuff and how we can get it handled. To get started, shoot me an email at susan at scalespark.co. And from there, we'll hop on the phone and see if you're a good fit for a custom growth blueprint. Again, reach out to Susan at scalespark.co. I'd love to help you break through the ceiling. Break the ceiling is produced by Yellowhouse Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode is edited by Marty Seifeld with production assistance by Kristen Runbeck. Our theme music is Feel So Fly by the Universe.